Letters by a letter, and uh, it's going to be a re-pick up where we left off from last Sunday. What did we speak on last Sunday? If anybody can tell me, I'll give you a dollar in 10 seconds. What? Thessalonia. Yeah. All right. Get your dollar after church, Mike. All right, so he went to Thessalonia in Acts, the 17th chapter. We spent more than enough time to explain how important that was for that church and actually for that whole region. But uh, he did such a good job that they ran him out of town. Amen? So uh, that was, as far as we can tell, uh, Paul's only visit to Thessalonica but he did send other ministers to that city to carry on his work, but he felt like the Holy Spirit had told him, no, I've got a better work for you to do somewhere else. You see, not everybody's an evangelist. Sometimes you're a pastor and you've got to stay home and do your work at home. Now, there are times that you need to move on if the Holy Spirit tells you to, to go somewhere else. If, if they called and asked Brother Rob to come speak at the Baptist church, hey, if he felt the Lord to, to was leading him to go down there and, and fill in for their pastor for a week or two, hey, no problem. You know, it might be advantageous to the kingdom of God. Who knows? Um, and uh, the reason that it was so important to the Holy Spirit to send Paul there in the first place is because they had a synagogue of the Jews. Remember how we talked about the difference between Christians and Jews at that day and time. Actually, in the time of Christ, they only saw people as either Jews or heathens. Right? You were either God's people or you wasn't God's people. It's the way they looked at everything in the culture that they lived in. Well, now that Christ has come on the scenes, now they have Jews, Christians, and if you want to say sinners or heathens or publicans or whatever you want to call them, the people that uh, aren't interested in the things of God, it splits them down into those different categories. We studied all that out of Acts 17. So if you um, wasn't here, how many was here last week? It's, all right, all of you was here. Good. All right, and we need to learn some things about it. And we want to know something. You know what I was just in my mind thinking you know, in Proverbs, the 11th chapter, verse 30, it says, He that winneth souls is wise. Now, we talked in Sunday school about the ETH a little bit. means winneth, keeps on winning souls. He's wise. Do you know that in the scriptures, the only time that word winneth appears? One time, and I just quoted it to you. How about that? So we need to be winning as best we can. Basically... Paul went there, and he didn't go by himself. He took Silas with him. Um, he had Timothy following in his footsteps. He had other disciples, uh, people that he was trying to uh, minister to. Uh, they went everywhere he went, and I kind of see that somewhat today because when we invite in, like, the singers, when we invite in different groups to sing, whether it be uh, uh, the Dooley's, or uh, Hudson's, whoever we invite in, usually 
there's somebody that heard they were going to and show up here that don't go to church here, probably won't come back again. They wanted to come because they were here. All right? So even in Paul's day and time, there were people that followed Paul, and wherever he went or wherever he spoke, that same group would show up and amen him. Amen. Because there are people that follow people for the ministry that they're doing. All right, so in, uh, we found that when Paul made it to Thessalonica, he went straight to the synagogue of the Jews, the scripture says. He wanted to be in church. It said he spent three Sabbaths there. I take that as a three-week revival, he, he preached to them. Now, the Jews, they didn't really accept Jesus Christ in the first century as widely as they do now. Number one, uh, they didn't have the history or the, the writings that we have now to substantiate what Christ was doing back there. But the scripture says that Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Now, what scriptures were written in A.D. 50? Very few. I mean, they may have had a copy of the Gospels, of the life of Christ, but mainly it was Old Testament. Do you know you can take the Old Testament and just about every book of the Old Testament, well, I'd say all of them initially, you can from the Old Testament and every book in the Old Testament find something that leads us to Jesus Christ says you may not say the name Jesus in there but the prophecies that are in the Old Testament are types and shadows of Christ's coming and of course even beyond his coming and what is part of his life and his ministry so the scriptures uh, that uh, we saw back then were a lot of things that were about the long awaited Messiah we took a lot of time to talk about that last week those Jews had been waiting on Christ to come for a long, long time. Amen? And finally, he did come. And of course, uh, Paul speaks of it in the, the fact of how he lived, he suffered, he died, and he rose again from the dead, and he ascended to the right hand of heaven by his Father. And all of those teachings of the Old Testament were brought to fruition when Jesus Christ did what he said. Then the Bible tells after Paul spoke there for a three-week revival that some believed. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's great. Amen. If somebody came in here, didn't know anything about Christ and sit down and listen to us speak or read scripture or whatever and boom, the light bulb goes off, huh, they're talking about Jesus. I understand that. Wouldn't that be great? And I believe. Wouldn't that be awesome? But the Jews were moved with envy. You see, when the gospel hits you, you don't get to stay in the same place. You either got to move up or you're going to fall back. Amen. You don't get to sit still in the things that God's working with us. So the results was that they went after Paul and his followers. They wanted to run them out of town. So they went looking for him, and they had been staying at a man's house named Jason. It didn't give his last name. I don't know who Jason was, but uh, he lived there in town, and he had a home, I guess, big enough to accommodate uh, Paul and his followers and uh, to give them a place to rest in hopes that they could arrest him, and the scripture says, and do him harm. 
But uh, they left town before that mob could start a, a riot and drag them before the rulers of that city. Now, did their actions against Paul and the Christians stop them from continuing their ministry? Not at all. They just moved to the next city. Actually, in the 17th chapter, uh, verse 10 and 11 says they went on to Berea. Since they got run out of town in Thessalonica, they just moved on to Berea. And guess what they did when they got there? Same thing they did in Thessalonica. Went straight to the synagogue of the Jews and preached the word of God. Huh, isn't that something? Because you know why? The gospel doesn't get old. It's the same gospel. Amen. So they left Thessalonica, went to Berea, and started doing the exact same thing they did there, except it had a different result. Those folks didn't run them out of town, if you would. All right, so um, as time would have it, Paul was seemingly always in trouble for preaching the truth. Some of us have been there and done that. We got in trouble because we preached the truth. I know I have been there quite a few times, it seems to me like, but I want you to know some things about that. It's always best to stand for truth. Amen? I've had friends that when they saw I was taking a stand for truth, chose to find different friends. They moved on, whatever, and that's on them, not on me. I can't um, hold their hand for the rest of their life or try to uh, break them down and force them to be a Christian. Uh, that's just the way it is. So after I took a stand for Christ and the truth of the gospel, they found other places they thought was uh, more for them. One thing I found out um, as a pastor that either people like what you're doing or they don't like it. Amen? They may start out liking it and then down the road somewhere you may cross them and you, they don't like what you're saying again. Uh, those are the, the things that they find reason to disagree about. Usually it reveals something about them quietly. They're not going to come right out and tell you, I heard you preach this and I don't agree with that and I'm not coming back no more. You won't hear nobody say that. Well, I haven't in 26 years. You know, that just doesn't happen. You know what they do? They First, they just kind of, well, first thing I think I, I've seen is miss Sunday school. They'll just quit coming to Sunday school first. Okay? Secondly, if they did anything at the church, if they worked any ministries and taught a class or junior church or sang or whatever they did for ministry, they'll cut back and off and eventually quit doing those kinds of things. And then them. When it gets done with that, you'll find out the things that brought them joy don't bring them joy anymore. Well, that's kind of the steps, if you want to look at it, as to what uh, backsliding is. And before you know it, you just don't see them anymore. I don't know where they went, don't know what they're doing, and I do know that that has happened, and it's even happened at Faith Christian Fellowship, and I've seen it happen other places. And I've learned from that. Amen? I got to do what God says to do. Amen? If I'm wrong, God will send you along to straighten me out or God will take me to the woodshed or whatever I need to straighten me out on what I'm doing. Amen? Even those that have left, I've tried calling them. 
Hello? How you doing? Oh, we're doing just great. We love you. And it's not you. It's that's you. Know, that's when I know they've learned to lie. Because it is me. But it's not me. It's who I represent. You see, they hated Paul. Not because Paul was a bad guy. They hated Paul because he represented our Father. And Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that when we get into the the teaching here. This is just, I'm just laying some groundwork now because you let me get in the pulpit 20 minutes early. Amen. But, but once their heart is not in the work of God, for the most part, they're out of touch and gone. It won't take them long after that. The biggest problem with someone with that spirit is they don't want others to think bad of them after they leave. So what do they do? They just go down the street to church. And then they make an excuse why they're there. Well, that's fine. Amen. What they don't know is most of us pastors know each other. And if you go somewhere else or something happens or someone else decides not to come here and go, guess what? They call me. Hmm. I wonder why. Or if someone from their congregation comes here. Guess what? I call them. I want to know what's going on. Why? Well, I don't know what's going on in other churches, but I don't want their problems coming here. And I'm sure they don't want our problems going there. Amen. We call it church hopping or whatever you want to call it. I knew a family. It's been a long while back. As a matter of fact, um, both of them, I think, are already passed, a husband and wife, that used to come with us in Sharonville. So now that's going back because I got saved there at 75. That's a long time ago, 46 years ago, right? You can add that up, right? You got the numbers on that. All right, 46 years ago, there was a family there, and guess what? They left and went to another church. And we got there, there's everybody here, they went to another church. There's everybody here, and they went to another church. And there's everybody here, and they went to another church. Then they went to another denomination. Then they went back to another denomination. Then they went back to another church. And I can tell you that that family went to at least eight different Church of God congregations plus other denominations here in southwest Ohio. And their home residence never changed. Hmm. God can't build a church with people like that. What's he want? He wants people like Paul that will stand, take the beatings, take whatever it is, and let him speak the truth in anything that comes along. Amen. That's the difference, if you would, as I see it in the enemy's uh, workings in the 21st century versus the 1st century. You see, not everybody in Thessalonica that had a problem couldn't go to Berea. It was too far away. And they couldn't travel the way we travel nowadays. But either way, I'd still say in Proverbs 11 and 30, he that winneth souls is wise. Now, with that being said, that's the groundwork. Now we want to see what happened when Paul got kicked out of Thessalonica and went to Berea. He went from there to Athens. If you'll go back into the 17th chapter, remember he stood on Mars Hill 
and said, I seen where you had an inscription on one idol there. You guys are all following these idols. And one of them, you say, you can worship the unknown God. Paul said, that ain't the way it should be. That you should know who God is. And you should worship the true God. While he was in Athens, that's in the same chapter he was in Thessalonica in the book of Acts, is when he writes this letter called 1 Thessalonians. So if you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians, then we'll start there. I just want to read the first six verses, and I'm going to jump all over this Thessalonian letter just to show you some points and how Paul was dealing with those people because they really, some of those people were really sold out, dedicated people of God. You could not give them enough of God's word. Amen? I've met people like that. And for the most part in the 21st century, though, most of us, uh, I heard that 20 years ago. It should be fresh. Every time you come to church, you should have the mindset, I want to learn something fresh today about God. If not from his word, from his spirit. Or through a song. I want to learn something as I come to worship my heavenly Father. So in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter here, it says Paul and Silvanus, that's Silas, and Timotheus, that's Timothy, uh, unto the church of the Thessalonians, we know who he's writing to? Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Think about the election of God. Of God. For our gospel is not unto you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Ghost, in which much assur- and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. What was that affliction? Anybody remember what happened to Jason? Yeah, he got drugged before the rulers of the city. Amen. The the everyday Bible says they find him and beat him and sent him home. Huh. Did that deter him from being a Christian? I don't think so. But nonetheless, here we go. We're set now. So I want you to know our message today is Paul's ministry in letters. Some of you have a ministry, I don't know how big it is, in cards. When you know someone's sick, you're quick to pick up a card and send it to them. When somebody does something for the gospel or for the kingdom or for the church or however you want to look at it, they're quick to pick up a thank you card and send it to them. Thank you for what you've done. And I know because I get the cards. And I know because Bonnie goes through a book of stamps in about a week and a half. Amen. So we know that's a ministry for some people to do. 
send the card. Or we want to get modern, we can send an email, a text. You can put it out there on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, I just don't happen to be. So if you put something on Facebook and think I received it, you, you're thinking wrong. I didn't get it. Tell me about it because I want to praise God just as much. And wherever you go out there and whatever you want to do, that's your business. But if it's God's business, let the rest of us in on it too. Now here Paul finds opportunity because he's not going to go back to Thessalonica. But he was thrilled with the results of his three-week revival he held there. Great things happened. Amen? There were a lot of believers come to Christ. And of course, it revealed the envy within the Jews. You know, you got to know one way or the other where you stand, right? Everybody needs to know where everybody stands. So, when he sent this letter, if you would, to the church in Thessalonica, how did the mailman know where to deliver it? Hmm, did you ever think about that? Of course, there wasn't any mailman. I'm just playing with you in your mind. But I want you to know, the letter went to the church. They got it, and they read it. Over and over and over, more than likely. Amen? Because there was a lot of good stuff in 1 Thessalonians in the first letter that they needed to adhere to and take uh, admonishment from Paul's teaching there. But how'd they know where the Christians were? The same way Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, knew where to go to find the Christians there that he was going to arrest. You come to a town in the first century, you knew where the Christians were, you knew where the Jews were, and you knew where the sinners were. Amen? It wasn't like they hid what they thought or how they acted in their lives. A lot of people today don't hide, if you would, the things they're doing in their life that are not things God would be pleased with in their life. But because it was uh, sent to the church, probably the Jews in the synagogue didn't know anything about it because they don't go to the church of Thessalonica. They go to the synagogue of the Jews. Well, where was the church at? Probably in the home of Jason again. Amen. He might have lived at 200 East Church Street, Thessalonica. Amen. So they knew where to send that letter so that the, the Christians could, uh, could get that letter from Paul. Well, uh, since it was sent to the church, even a mailman can recognize who a Christian is. Amen. So when we found that out, uh, where this letter went, they read it and they did the things that needed to be done. Notice that church he's talking about in verse 1 said, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it couldn't have went to the, the Jews because they only believed in God the Father in what little, little bit of teaching and tradition they had, they didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what caused the uproar in that town. Amen. So now before I'm going to read this four-page letter from a man that was run out of town, it might be helpful to see why he's writing this letter. Notice, after he says there in that first verse there that... Uh, um, this is one in my Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, colon. 
add to that. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews do nothing about that. Amen? I looked up the word uh, grace and, and wanted to start uh, thinking on those thoughts a little bit earlier when I was studying my for this message. Um, it's a charisma, or however they say it in the, in the language, the uh, Greek or Hebrew language, charisma is the word we get for grace. It means favor. It means blessing. We talk about charisma today as somebody being talented or other actions or some kind of way, but the original meaning of grace was charisma. Amen? And that's the word we take from it. So when we get to that, he says, add to that, grace be unto you. Grace or favor or blessing. Do you think the mailman would have took that letter to a church that was dead as a four-year-old bird nest? No. He took it to the one that had grace, the ones that had peace, the ones that were showing God's favor in their lives. Amen? And, and he said this is from the same one that said it was in the church. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice he repeats that? He wants them to know why this letter is coming. Amen? Because it's what God wants them to know. Now, I don't know about you, but with that kind of an intro, I'd want to hear the rest of the letter. Amen? If you was in church that day and he said, we got a letter here from Paul, and he said, grace to you and peace be to you. You want to hear any more? Yeah, I want to hear about that grace. I want to hear about that peace. Amen? Sure. But in verse 2, he says, uh, here, we thank God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Thank God for all you've done. Amen? If Paul would have been from the south and said, uh, uh, thanks to God always for you all, he'd have said, y'all. Thanks to y'all instead of you all. Amen? But since he was not from the south, he didn't do that. He says, I've been praying for you. And then there's a semicolon. And add to that, verse 3, remembering your what? Works of faith. Labor of love, patience of hope. Those things are only characteristics in a Christian's life. The world can't give you works of faith, labors of love, or patience of hope. That hope only comes from outside of us rather than from the inside out. Amen. I can't make any of you have any more hope. I can preach the word to you, and the Holy Spirit can give you that hope. I can't. I'd like to. I just am not qualified. So where did he say this is going to take place now? Where are you going to get that hope, this faith? Where are you going to get all that peace? Well, he says in verse 3, In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Did you catch that? That's the third time in three verses 
or three lines of this opening letter that he's talked about God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Huh. He must be representing somebody other than himself as he's writing this letter. Then in verse number 4, let me read it in the King James. It says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Amen. Now the dude version for that verse, fourth verse says, I know you love God because of the choices you make concerning God. Amen. That's how I know you love God, by the choices you choose to pattern your life after. Amen? In verse 5, it says, for, and that word means, because. Because our gospel came not unto you in word only. Paul said, I did come and preach to you, but guess what else? We lived it while we were there. We not just told you about it. Now, not just Paul, too. All the rest of the brethren that were there. Those that believed, they changed their attitude. They started making different choices. They started doing what they needed to do. For our gospel is not in word only. We're different than the Jews at the synagogue. Amen? That follow in word only. When the word becomes actions, that's when you know you're on the right track in what you should be doing. And guess what? In Thessalonica, when your words became actions, they wanted to drag you before the rulers, fine you, and beat you, and send you home. Amen? Our word has power if we follow the word of God. Amen. It's power. Paul introduces it then at that time in verse number 5. He said it's not in word only, but in power in the Holy Ghost. Well, isn't that nice that he introduces the Holy Ghost into this letter? Now we had God, the Father, Jesus, the Lord, the Christ, and now the Holy Spirit. He covers all the bases of the Trinity. Isn't that something? Now a lot of people say, I don't believe in the Trinity. It's right there. You just read it in five verses. Amen. He wants you to know that you need to be what God has for us to be. Amen. So if our word is, is uh, power, and Paul introduces us to the Holy Spirit, um, that's the power that the church needs to tap into, and it gives us much assurance, it says there in that particular verse, that um, that is what witnessing really is. Witnessing is the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to show others that there's something greater about you than just yourself. Amen? That's what witnessing is. Because you know what manner of men we were for your sakes, Paul says. Not just teaching the truth, but living it out with right choices led by the Holy Spirit. All right? Verse 6 says, And you have become followers of us. Huh. You're making the same choices we made because we're, you're following the same word, the same power, the same Holy Spirit, and following what that Spirit is telling to you. How does Paul know that that's true? Because of the afflictions, verse 6 says, that they went through. Amen? Now, when you face afflictions, 
what do they usually want to afflict you over? Getting you to back down on your stand for whatever you stand for in Christ. Amen? Why do around the world are Christians persecuted? Anybody ever think about that? Because they want you to take your flag down and say, well, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore if I've got to face persecution or affliction. If they're going to beat me up for being a Christian, I think I'll quit. Paul didn't quit. He'd been shipwrecked and scourged and beaten with rods and stripes and everything else the scriptures tell us. He didn't quit. Been in prison I don't know how many times. Why? He just wanted to be a better witness for God in all those things. Amen? Because when afflictions arose, they stood firm in the truth with joy, the scripture says, in the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many of you are happy when you get persecuted? Huh. Yeah, well, that's what the scripture tells us. Amen. If you need patience, amen. Pray for more persecutions because out of persecution comes patience, James tells us in the first chapter. Now, so here we again, I want to let you know, if you have trouble convincing somebody of the Trinity, you can just read them five verses here in 1 Thessalonians, and Paul will explain it to you. Amen. They didn't hear that kind of teaching in the synagogue of the Jews. So the message then is to continue to follow the truth of the gospel and live it out before those Jews and anyone else that's not Christians that might draw their souls closer to salvation by grace through faith. Not of works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Church, if our faith and our witness stops us, uh, our next generation has no hope in the Holy Spirit. They have no hope for eternity if we don't carry the gospel forward. Amen. Drop down with me now. I'm going to try to, I've been up here too long already, haven't I, Rose? I'm going to drop down to verse 9 and 10. It says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how ye, you brethren, you are in the church of Thessalonica, we know how you turned from idols, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do you know what that's called when you turn from idols and serve the living God? That's called repentance. Repentance means to turn around. That's exactly what Paul is saying to them. Good job, guys. I'm glad you repented, and I'm glad you're on the right track with the living God now. You got away from those old dead idols that you used to worship. You don't need to be there. So he is admonishing that church for their right choices and how it impacted their witness before everyone else in Thessalonica. Amen. Thessalonica became a more powerful church after that witness took place in their lives. Amen. So they turned and they went from worshiping dead idols to serve the true and living God. Verse 10 says... And to wait for the Son from heaven, 
or his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, one of the things he wanted to make sure they understood in the very opening of this letter is it's not about Paul. It's not about the Old Testament. It's about Jesus Christ. He's the one which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen? Wait and see what's next. It's the coming of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul was looking for Jesus Christ to come back in his generation. I read that when I read the word of what he's talking about, Christ's second coming. It's as if they're sitting on a stump in the woods waiting on him to split the clouds, pretty much. They knew they had work to do, so they did it. But in the back of their mind, they was hoping at any moment, any moment, Jesus would come get them. Amen. Now, you can read more about that later on in this particular um, thing. It, um, he just wanted to make them aware of the importance of waiting on Jesus' second coming because Jesus promised he would come back for us and he, at that point, is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Amen. There's, when Jesus comes back, again, it's just going to be two places from there. Did you know that? It's either going to be heaven or the other place. Amen. So when it comes to that, he needs to understand that we need to make sure we have lived as though we're waiting on Jesus to come back. Amen. And just like Brother Steve taught us Thursday night, if God said it, it's true. Because God cannot lie. Amen. So if God said he's coming back, mark it down. Amen. He's got plans. He just hasn't let us in on it as far as day and time. He's coming back. Amen. Now God doesn't have a wristwatch. He doesn't have a calendar. But he's coming back. And it's not going to be at our time. It's going to be on his time. Amen. So Paul realized the importance of the second coming and of uh, the resurrection, if you would, of those that have uh, what he calls fallen asleep or those that are, are going to be dead when Jesus is, comes again. He's going to call them out of the grave. And then we're all going to be called up together. Amen. Into the next world. And that goes into a whole lot more detail and I would admonish you to take and read this four-page letter in your spare time this week, and you'll see in chapters 4 and 5 what he talked about in the coming of Christ and the second coming and what's beyond the second coming. Not a whole lot. There are people that say, when Jesus comes back again, he's going to set up a kingdom. It's going to last a thousand years. Amen. And he's just going to rapture out the church. You're going to be driving down the highway and the car beside you, whoosh, there's not going to be any driver in it. Amen. He'll just be gone. I hope he has one of those fobs in his, the new keys where you don't have a key. So when he gets raptured out, it shuts the car off. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, I got one of them. I'm still trying to get used to that thing. Amen. And then once he's raptured out five feet away the car not only will shut off it locks the doors and nobody will be able to get in the car how about that stuff well uh, I don't think that's what he's talking about because when Jesus comes again it's basically over that quick 
Done. Amen. You won't have any time to make any other decisions. You won't have time to change your mind. It's over when he comes back. Amen. That teaching is essential to the truth of the gospel. But before we get to that, uh, the next life, so to speak, and the things that God has for us after this life, we need to make sure we're up to date with God today. Because could Jesus come back today? Yeah. Could he come back tomorrow? Yeah, and I won't give you much time to get ready if you're not ready. So we need to be on our toes and ready to go when Jesus does say, it's time. Amen. I don't know when that is. Anybody that tells you they know when it is, you can mark them down. They're not telling you the truth because they don't know. Amen. Now chapter 2 here, Paul uh, starts this second chapter out about the gospel that Paul preached to them. I just want to read to you from verse 4 to 7 here, and I know we're skipping around, but when you read the whole thing, when you get uh, time this week, you'll understand more about it. He says, But as we were allowed of God to put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. See, Paul didn't go to Thessalonica to get a bigger crown or to get another pat on the back. He went there to please God. Amen. If he went there to please men, he would have done it differently and they wouldn't have wanted to run him out of town. They'd want him to stay and give him more credit. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But, on the other hand, that's what but means, remember? But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Amen. When a baby's born, it can't feed itself, it can't change itself, it can't even walk, it can't do anything for itself. It has to have a nurse or somebody take care of it or it won't survive. Amen? Well, that's the way Paul saw his witness to the Thessalonians and the truth he preached to them. He saw it as though, you guys didn't know anything about this Jesus guy, really, did you? I know you heard rumors about him, but I was here so it would open your eyes so that I could feed you, I could change your dirty diaper, I could teach you how to walk, I could teach you the things that you can grow into maturity as a Christian. That's what his teaching was about. It's the same as a nurse that watches out for little children and raises them up. When he says those kind of teachings, it's important that they know what Paul's mission really was. And so in chapter 2, the gospel Paul preached to them was an important gospel so that they could get their feet grounded in what the gospel was really doing. Our preaching wasn't to impress you. It wasn't to impress anybody else. It was out of godly love for you. 
just as a nurse cares for children. Amen? Look at that same expression of love in verse number 11. As, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. How? As a father does his children. Huh. I don't know too many fathers that don't want their children to have it at least as good as they had it growing up, if not better. You would like your children to have it better than you have it. So Paul preaches this gospel in love, and he also needs to spread the gospel, the good news, to those that you will have influence over in your life. Amen. I appreciate it. How many of you have ever thought, man, wouldn't it have been great to live in Jerusalem in the days and time of Jesus and got to actually see him do those miracles or get to rub shoulders with him or maybe even be in the upper room when he was uh, doing his, if you would, uh, doctrinal work up there before he went to Golgotha and died on Wouldn't it have been great to walk with Jesus side by side? Wouldn't it have been nice to have been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Wouldn't that have been exciting? Well, I can tell you some things about um, our thought pattern along that. He wasn't there to impress you. Now, the problem with Jesus in his earthly ministry, he did a great job. He reached out and covered a lot of miles and a lot of situations. But he was still one man. God didn't want his gospel left to one man. He didn't want it left to Jesus, and he didn't even want it left to Paul. He wants the gospel to be spread by the Holy Spirit so that it'll not only still be good in Jerusalem, and it's good in Mason, and it's good in Australia, it's good wherever the Holy Spirit wants to spread the word of God. Amen. If we'd have just left it up to a physical one person, a one-man show, so to speak, it would have never spread, and the world wouldn't have got turned upside down like the Thessalonian, Thessalonica, those guys, thought that Paul was trying to do in their city. He was trying to turn the world upside down. Well, it was already upside down. He was just trying to help them get it straightened out. So when we think of that, and like I said, no father wants his children to be deprived of the good things that God desires for them to have. Therefore, as fathers, in the gospel, we need to pass on the truth of the gospel to the next generation, and they need to do the same thing. They need to pick up, if you would, the the way of the cross and carry it on to the world that follows them. Verse 12 says, walk worthy of God. Hmm. What does that mean? Walk worthy of God. That's do the things God wants you to do. Amen. Why should we do that? Because he who hath, who hath called you unto his kingdom and his glory is the one that's calling you to walk worthy. Amen. That's what we need to do. Make good decisions. Do things the way the two witnesses, his word and his spirit, tell us to do. See, this hasn't changed since the first century. Today, we need to follow the Holy Spirit the same way Paul did and same way the Thessalonians did. I said it right that time. How about that? 
Amen. So we need to walk in those things and do the things in the sight of those that follow us so they'll quit following idols and start following the living God. Amen? Yeah. And they'll offer them hope because they have hope in the resurrection of Christ through the living sacrifice that he made for us. Amen? So... Uh, in my Bible, I've underlined verse 13. I think this is kind of crucial to the whole thing that he's teaching here of what he wants them to do. So let me read it. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. Don't stop. Because when we receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, Ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is, in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Once you put the roots down in the choices of your life that you're going to believe what God has for you, you can't turn around and go back. You'll be doing damage to your witness to others that are watching you, and, the, the, and you'll even miss out on the eternity you want to uh, accomplish in, after this life. You see, not only practice the gospel in our lives, but our goal is to show the gospel to others that are without hope. Amen? Drop down to verse 19 and 20 in there. For what is our hope? Amen. What is our hope? Well, let's find out. What is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Amen. That's what it's all about. Now, I don't know when he's coming, but when he does, you need to be in him. And you need to have your hope your joy and your crown of rejoicing settled in what the Holy Spirit tells you you need to be for God. Verse 20, for ye are our only glory and joy. Paul says, I don't have any glory in anything I'm doing in the kingdom if nobody believes it after I preach it. Amen. If I preach it and everybody says, that's a bunch of hogwash and walks out and never comes back, I didn't do a very good job, did I? No. Well, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't want to preach anything but what God says preach. Amen. Just like I said, when you come to church to worship God, you should leave here with something from that worship service. Amen. You can say, well, I'm smarter than you, dude. Ah, that's nothing to brag about. Millions of people are smarter than me. That's no big deal. But did you get something from God? Amen. Did you learn something from His Word? Did his Holy Spirit speak to you? I can tell you, without any shadow of a doubt, I don't even know how many times I've been sitting in a pew listening to somebody preach on a subject, and while they was preaching on that subject, the Holy Spirit was convicting me and telling me and showing me things that he wasn't even talking about. Happens to me all the time. Amen. It doesn't happen in every service, but it happens frequently, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. 
Because I'm in a different level or I'm, I study different things. I just, God takes time through His Holy Spirit to work with me individually to show me where I need to step up and be more of what He wants us to be. Amen? That's what we need to be in that work for God. In chapter 3, Paul writes that he would like to come back to Thessalonica and see the progress there for himself, but he's not allowed to. He has to stay in Athens according to what the scriptures teach him there or what the, he wrote in the scriptures of the Holy Spirit leading him. And he's going to send Timothy. Amen? So now with Timothy coming, uh, they're going to have some things that they need to uh, show Timothy. And Timothy then in verse 6, but when now when Timothy came from you to us, he brought the good news. You guys are doing well. Timothy told me all about, isn't that something? Timothy was a tattletale. He went and told them how great they were doing in Thessalonica. Not because of, of the letter I wrote or whatever, because that hadn't happened yet. But from the three-week revival or wherever they got their roots grounded in the gospel from Paul's experience there, he says, I'm sending Timothy because he can come and help you. Now, one thing about Timothy we know versus Paul. He's a lot younger. Did you know that? Amen. Younger people can travel distance faster than us old folks. Amen. Amen. So, younger people, and he needs to expand his ministry. See, Timothy's not as an experienced a speaker as Paul, so he needed opportunity to preach more. And younger ones, they need to do that. <coughs> Timothy will guide them in the truth, and he'll send back to Paul the encouraging words as to what's being done in the church at Thessalonica. Isn't that cool? Amen. I enjoy hearing good things. Now, I you hear from time to time from young Gary Underwood. He grew up in this church pretty much. And he's pastoring in Oklahoma. And from time to time, I hear good things that's going on there. And I've even heard things, quotes that he said in his messages that were quotes that myself or Pastor Jack White said. And he's passing it on to his congregation because he heard it from Brother White and he knows the Holy Spirit anointed it then. He's hoping the Holy Spirit will anoint it in Oklahoma. Amen. Amen. We're probably not any different than those folks because we all learned it from the same school. The same place, if you would. So here we, he says, uh, Paul says, now that Timothy's there, I want to continue to pray for that church, even though they're not physically, I'm not physically there, is what he says in verse number 10. Night and day, praying for you, that you might find perfect, might perfect, I can't even read, and might see your face and might perfect that, which is lacking in your faith. Amen? Paul says, I'd like to help you with that. Chapter 4, Paul exalts them to walk pleasing to God. You might want to write that in your bulletin. There's room for notes. That while you're reading this, Paul exhorts them to walk pleasing to God in verse 1. Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, that you exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Amen. Saints, 
you're not done growing yet or you wouldn't be here. Hmm. All right, verse 3 and 4 says this is the will of God. What is God's will for these people, Paul's telling them? This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, fornication, you could take that in. It's a big word, and it covers a lot of different things. There's not one thing you can say, you know, sometimes you can say a word, and it means this, and it means one other word or whatever. We can relate. Fornication is a word that covers a multitude of sins, all kinds of different garbage. But he said to abstain from it. Get away from all that junk. You don't need that. Amen? And verse 4, And every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. You know what sanctification is? It's growing in God. It's saying no to things that God shows you to say no to and saying yes to things God says to say yes to. Sometimes it's baby steps. It's just a small thing. Sometimes it's a life-altering something. Amen. God might be wooed on your heart to say, you know what, I'd like to teach in junior church. I'd like to be a part of a ministry. I'd like to teach. I'd like to go. I'd like to expand my horizons. I would be thrilled if I heard that because I would make a way for you to have opportunity to do that. If you want to be sanctified and grow closer to Christ, I want to be the one that points you that direction. Amen. Because that's the will of God for your life. Amen. He says, I'm going to continue to pray about this. I want you guys to make right choices, make right things so that you'll look good before others. And in verse number 5, he says, I want you to so uh, walk with God that the people behind you See what's going on in your life. They're not in darkness, but they're in the light. Amen? So, make right choices. In verse 7, I'm going to sum it up right here. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that are drunken, are drunken in the night. So, let's sum it up. Those that are not going to walk where God wants them to go, if they're not going to sanctify their lives the way God wants them to sanctify, they're going to be left behind when Jesus comes again. Amen? Now, the question is, what's God called you to do? You see, Paul's still ministering by letter to us today. If you want to know what God's will is, you can read Paul's letter from A.D. 51 and have relevance through the Holy Spirit to your life today. Isn't that cool? It not only was written to help the Thessalonians get their life straightened out, but the Holy Spirit is eager to show you the truth that God has for you through that same letter. Amen? Because Paul ministered through letters. Amen? They're good for us. Amen. So if you're ever off track, remember God's Word and God's Spirit has been given to us to keep us on track and get us to walk where he wants us to walk until he comes back for us. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.